there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Okay, welcome to White Line Fever. My name's Steve Mascord. You heard him on last week's episode. Uh, welcome back uh, to uh, Kelly Nichols. Now, um, when you sat down to uh, write songs um, for, for, for the coming album, Renegades, what, what in your mind, anyone who listened to the band over the years can come up with their own idea, but as a songwriter and someone who was part of the classic lineup, what is the essence of LA Guns? Like if you, if you had to do a list of things when you sit down to write an LA Guns song to make it sound like LA Guns, uh, what, what, what do you, what's on your list? I don't know. Pretty much just always trying to write about something I know, you know, and uh, definitely wanted the record to have a, a lot of energy. So we wanted some uh, mostly upbeat songs. There's 10 songs on the record. There's two ballads and there's one kind of like mid tempo, but the rest are uh, slamming. And, um, you know, just wanted to keep the energy up. It's, you know, for LA Guns, it's just always about energy and, and, you know, I, things we know just uh a vampire ish kind of lifestyle uh you know not no politics no nothing super deep you know it was just a rock and roll band it was just a you know songs were an excuse to get out of the house you know <laughs> and do you listen to the other well do you listen to the, the music made when you're not in the band to inform what you're writing when you're back in the band well, this is like the this is like the first time that I've ever really been able to like play one of our songs over and over again. Like the first three singles, "Crawl," "Well Old Machine," and "Renegades," I can listen to them over and over again, and I can leave it in my car or whatever, and I can loop it, and uh, I really enjoy listening to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Usually, like when you're done recording it and you've heard it, you know, so many times, you're already sick of it. But um, these I really can still listen to and really like. Is that because you think you were kind of, well, uh, you know, you, it was more a team effort, you know, this record? Is that, do you think that's a reason or do you think there's a certain quality to the music that the other songs didn't have? Um, I think it's Kurt, uh, you know, it's, I think it's the singer for that. Um, oh my god, <laughs> I think it's Kurt. Yeah, that's that's the reason. That's the reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and, the reason. And, and and as far as uh, lot like live, it's hard to talk about live now, but we're starting to see some dates come out now for various yeah. bands. Have you have you got dates? Are you uh, um, got plans? And, and and what will your set look like? With how many new songs will you play? All that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, we do have dates coming in and stuff. We got about a half a dozen already. Uh, we, we have one starting in March with um, uh, Slaughter, and then uh, uh, and then we're talking about a Australia, Europe thing. But you know, I don't know. Everything is just still going to be tentative to you know what's happening in the world. You know, uh, we all live in different states, so it's it's a lot of flights. It's a lot of traveling for us, and you know, Ubers and hotels and checking in and. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a lot because, uh, you know, we all can't just get in there together and do it. So everybody's got to come from all over the country. So, you know, the dates are coming in, but whether we actually get to do them or not, we still have to wait and see, you know. Let's have another song. What can we play? Uh, let's play uh, the title track, Renegades. Renegades. 
This is another love song about uh, a motorcycle. Kelly from LA Guns, and you're listening to White Line Fever. It's Pete Jupp from FM. Hello, Pete. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Yeah, very good. Now, How how's, um, how's lockdown uh, treating you, the tail end of lockdown? We're all allowed to go back to the pub um, on the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, how's it been for you? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, 
you've just got to do it, haven't you? You know, it's, it's nothing you can do. So uh, I've just been getting on with it, really. Um, would rather not have been doing it. But uh, I think I'm more used to lockdown now than normal life. Well, it might be, might be weird going back to normal life, actually, after yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, the album we yeah. even talk about, Tough It Out Live, uh, the new live album on, on Frontiers, I guess during this period, I mean, if you've got... Your focus would have been on these business things, right? You you can't play gigs. So um, is, the one thing I want to ask, the first thing I want to ask about the album is, you know, you went through all the tapes of a whole tour and and, and patched together yeah. the best songs um, rather than just put out one show. And I'm sure there's purists out there who are like, oh, I just, you know, like fans are kind of precious about things like that. How did you arrive at the decision to, to do the album that way? Well, we wanted to, you know, because, like I say, we... we um we did try and record every show, um, but we had a few technical problems and the, our, our sound team were like coming up with all these, you know, various reasons why it would stop recording and all this. And it ended up just being a dodgy USB cable. <laughs> <laughs> so um, once that, so I think we recorded about five or six of the shows. We had the full show. Um, but I think it's nice to, you know, it would have been nice if we could have had at least one song from every show. I think you know that that was our decision. Let, let's just let's just do Manchester or Newcastle. Let's just do a few from each each one that we had, kind of thing, you know. And so, what about what's the process of sort of whittling it down and deciding the best versions? Is it is it a subjective thing what the best version is, or is it actually pretty objective? Uh, there's a mistake there. We can't use that one. You know, how do you decide? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so uh, that was, it, it was hard finding ones without any mistakes on but uh, no it, it just some just some felt better you know it's weird it, it was a, a band decision I think I went through through everything and then sent it to the rest of the band and it, it, it was a, it was a band decision on what what shows we used for some of them I think the first three songs are kind of joined together so we had to use them from the same same show mm. um, so if, if a song was joined together then we'd we'd keep it from from the same same show kind of thing uh, but no, we just it was a it was a group decision, really, which songs. Yeah, it wasn't quite that straightforward, but there's probably a bit of arguing, you know, so my song's better on that one, my solo's better on that verse, you know, well my drumming, you know, sort of thing. But uh, um we we got there in the end, we didn't split up, so it was all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um we're gonna as I explained to you, and I think some people heard me explaining to you, um yeah. we're gonna um we're gonna play a, a song. Um uh, but I wanted to ask you because this this is actually showing on the um the Facebook page of Hot Metal, which is a great old Australian rock magazine right. back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, isn't around anymore. I'd love to bring it back, working on it. Uh, but, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> but, but, um, and the great Australian connection um, I discovered was that um, a guy called Peter Carpen kind of almost discovered the band, yeah. poached you um, from yeah. under uh, the noses of a record company you were about to sign with. Um, yes. what, what can you tell us about Peter? Because he's he's who's who of uh, rock, you know. Um, he, he seems to have worked with everybody. Yeah, well, what happened with Peter was um, we had done a showcase for CBS before they became Sony, and and they passed on the band. They said, no, no, we're not interested. Um, and then we we were out on tour with Meatloaf, and our management had negotiated another deal with another label. And it was the last night of the tour, and this label came out to meet us, 
And uh, before we before we met them, Amanda said, just before we go any further, go along with everything, you know, agree with everything they say, but tomorrow you're signing into CBS. We're like, what? He said, yeah. Um, Peter Carpin um, really loved the band and he got Portrait Records. He, he became the head of Portrait Records that was within CBS. And he said, I want this to be my first signing. So uh, wow. there you go. Yeah, good old Pete. You know, <laughs> it was a great bloke. The only thing he ever did wrong, Peter, was he had um, he had a demo of the song. You know, the, the John Farnham song, The Voice? Yep. He had a demo of that song. And he said to us, oh, I thought it might be good for you, but I didn't think you'd be interested. <laughs> That's it. And we're like, I know hindsight, it was a big hit, but you know, it's such a great song. I'm sure we would have gone, yeah, that's brilliant. But he said, no, I just didn't think you'd be interested, so I didn't play it to you. So that was his one mistake. Yeah. You know, John Farnham was offered We Built This City by Starship, but he turned it Oh, down. really? Okay. Well, I can't imagine John Farnham singing that song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Well, he's such a great singer, though, isn't he? He, yeah. he, he, he can really sing anything. It'll yeah. sound great, you know. So um, more but... farewell tours than kiss as well, uh, John Farnham. Oh, re- oh really? Okay, right. <laughs> Let's have a song. What song can we play, there, Pete? Oh, play whatever you want. Um, let's think. Uh, what about bad luck?
Hi, this is Pete Drop from FM, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back. Um, and our next guest is someone who um, I guess I've kind of like seen from a distance uh, for maybe 25 years, uh, never actually uh, spoken to. In fact, I read his name so many times and I actually wasn't sure if it was pronounced Scott Gin or Scott Gin because I read it so many times, but I hadn't heard it said a lot of times. So I've done at least that amount of research. Welcome to the show, Scott Gin. How are you, Scott? Good and warm. <laughs> hello. Hello. And hello, everyone watching on the Hot Metal uh, Facebook page, by the way, and hello uh, to everyone who's watching on YouTube. Scott, um, you know, you're a, a songwriter, guitarist, uh, vocalist, producer, engineer, front of house sound guy. <laughs> um, and um, so it's hard to know where to start. Um, uh, but um, I, I normally don't start at the beginning. Like normally, you know, when you get someone on, you talk about, you know, whatever, you know, they've got a new album or they've got a book or something. Uh, but in your case, I really do want to start at the beginning because um, I'm in England, you're in Sydney. And you were born here. Um, and like a lot of Australian musicians, uh, illustrious Australian musicians, you were born in, in the British Isles. Um, where were you born and, and, and how, did, how did your family come to move to, to Australia? Um, I was born in Beckenham in Kent, uh, southeast England. Um, and my family migrated to Australia in 1964. Uh, so we were 10 pound poms that came out on the. the uh, P&O Canberra and um, yeah, settled in Sydney and I've lived in Sydney all my life. Yeah, yeah. And, and Scott, do, do you think it's just a coincidence that so like the, you know, the young brothers and, you know, um, Doc Neeson and all of them, <laughs> you know, all of the, the, the Gibbs, you know, like is it a, is it a coincidence that um, so many of them born here and, and emigrated to Australia at a young age? Um, is there something about the music they grew up with in their homes? Or is it a sheer coincidence in, in your case, in your experience? Well, it's probably a bit of both because you've, you've got one element that's the, the influences of, of English music because um, I guess as you start becoming a musician, you, you kind of look to overseas and, and England and, um, and the US were the places of influence for Aussie rock. And then you've got that, what I guess... Aussie rock is just so unique. It, it breeds a an edgier, tougher um, sound um, historically, um, and it's probably a reflection of the, the sort of work that the, the, the gig scene that we had um, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Really, yeah, yeah. And mate, you 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 kind of like um, uh, uh, Bruce Willis in Twelve Monkeys when he goes back in time. You were there for some of the great moments of like history, and like you're on Countdown. You know, you were. You went to see Led Zeppelin at the Sydney Showground. You're in puberty blues, um, and you know the, I was I was watching the you know listening to the Grey Brothers with their great show Australian rock show and their uh, rock brat uh, website, and that they, they love the music so much, and, and that they know all the bands you're in and and who was in all the bands you're in. But these these for me these nuggets of gold sort of um, were apparent in the in in their coverage of your career. The amazing moments from. From arriving arriving in Australia um, to uh, as a kid to going to see Led Zeppelin at the Sydney Showground, um, what was your journey? Well, that that moment, that twenty seventh of February, nineteen seventy two, at yeah. two twenty p.m. 
not 3.20 p.m. as Robert Plant called out before they blasted into Immigrant Song, <laughs> because it was the first year that daylight saving had occurred in, in Sydney. And that's why wow. he, he and, and I always remembered that. And, uh, and yes, this bootleg came up the other week, and, and, uh, and those songs, Immigrant Song and uh, Heartbreak, have always been missing from these tracks. It's the first time I've heard it. And um, there's a fabulous moment where you can hear it sort of about a minute into the song where you can just hear the crowd just erupting because it was all at the, start of the showground, the old Sydney showground, and, and everyone was supposed to be in the big stands there, but the stage just got completely stormed. Everyone jumped the fence. You can just hear everyone like a, <laughs> like a, a mad stampede <laughs> rushing towards the stage for that first minute of the song. Wow. Wow. Mate, I, I never went, like, I sort of, I guess my first show was, um, you know, Shell Harbour Workers Club and it was like the choir boys or the party boys, you know. So I, I don't really remember, I never went to a big outdoor show in Australia in, in the 70s, you know. Um, and, and, and so I, I imagine it, I'm sure some of the viewers and listeners do, they imagine the sound is terrible. And, and there's a non-existent lighting show and they go, how do those people get into it? You know what I mean? Like they see the Beatles at Shea Stadium, you know, and it seems, it seems so primitive. What was it actually like? Like what's it like? What was it like going on that day? What was the crowd like? And what, what was this, the sound like? Um, were people smoking dope? What, what, were there a lot of cops around? Paint a picture for us. Um, I expect so. Did you still hear the above? <laughs> but being a 10 to 14 year old and, and very innocent and unaffected, um, um, I was just blown away by the whole experience. It was uh, it was an iconic gig. Like and and anyone that, that you talked to that that, that that witnessed it said it was something very very special. Um, and it was, and I think we whatever it was, the 25,000 plus people, and they allegedly was more. Um, um it was just um well it was it the thing was it was it was at the prime when i well i think with when they were in their prime um you know plant's voice was absolutely a peak then they just do i think they were just either brought out or um, were bringing out zeppelin for the time so um it was um to me, it was and and you know sort of stuff that I've heard since that was when they were actually at peak performance. So um, it, it just well, it, yeah, it was a it was a, um, a you know a life changing moment for me. It was like oh yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> God, I, I didn't warn you this because we got stuck straight into it. But um, for the podcast listeners, we'll have a song every five minutes uh, of interview. For them, it will be you'll be on different episodes. Um, what song can we play? We've just been talking about Zeppelin. What, what would you like to hear? Well, we should probably play something a little historical, but um, which um, is a, a revision I did of Hard and Fast from the Boss album, um, which is on my Brick um, and the Dead album. <laughs>
from Rags and Riches and Maz XT and you're listening to and watching White Line Fever with Steve Mascord. Welcome back to White Line Fever, third part of our interview uh, with Joel Hoekstra. And I want to thank everyone for um, um, watching, if you're watching, and I apologise for stopping every five minutes. And if you're listening, thanks for listening to the last uh, three episodes. Um, Joel, just talking about, uh, you know, running games uh, is, you know, coming out, um, is, is out now. For the people listening now, it's, it, it's out. Um, what, when does Whitesnake kind of kick back in for you? When, when do you have to kind of flick that switch and, and, and go back to that? And what, what does flicking that switch mean? You know what I mean? Like how do you divide up your time and your concentration and your routine? Um, what does it actually, what does it mean in a real sense to you on a daily basis to be in, to have these projects on the go? 
Yeah, I mean, we're just uh, we're just in a holding pattern right now. David's been putting out the compilation records, uh, three of them over the last year or so, and so that's that's been the focus. And we're just kind of waiting to see what's next. So whatever his plans are, I'd definitely be excited and be be down for it. And and as far as how I prepare for that, that depends on what's next. And I don't I don't know what's next yet. So, uh, but you you know you just devote your time and energy to it, just like anything else. If you have, if you have a job to do, you you do it. Yeah, I saw Mitch Lafon in an interview uh, asked you um, about planning for the future and what's going to happen when these gigs go away. And and you were very anti that. You were very kind of anti strategizing. You were like I I've never been a strategizer, and and that's why I've had all these. Um, amazing adventures because uh, because I've, I've left myself available and open to do things. Is that this time, this downtime, does that impact on that philosophy? Like, I mean, do you do you find yourself thinking maybe I need to plan a bit more or 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 um, or not? I mean, what is your attitude? What is your attitude to that? No, I just take everything day by day and do the best I can at every turn and, and make sure that I'm productive and moving forward. And, and then life has a way of taking you to places that you never thought you'd end up. So as long as you do that and just be the best person you can be along the way, do the best you can at, at what it is you do, then uh, you know it's impossible for me to say, here's where I want to be in 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> I never would have gotten into this if I was that kind of person. You know, yeah. I, I think to... Uh, to get into the music industry, you have to have a little bit of that blind faith, man, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, before you go, I wanted to, just a couple more things. I wanted to ask you about Frontiers. Um, um, you know, I've heard recently just reading the rock press talk of a Frontiers sound, you know, and I, I saw uh, Jolyn Turner, you know, speak about, you know, changes of direction with Sunstorm and having a bit of a complaint, a whinge about that. Is there a frontiers sound, in, in your opinion, um, there, Joel? What, what do you? Is there? Is there? Do they? Are they only interested in certain type of music, or what, what vibe do you get? Um, well, no, I think they've been diversifying, if anything, lately. I mean, I've been following what they've been doing. They're signing more metal, and they just released uh, an instrumental album from Red Beach that I know that they typically don't release instrumental albums, so. I think people are just referring to, you know, if they produce a, a project and, and having somebody write all the material for it, um, that's sort of like a go-to for Frontiers. So rather than write the material themselves, but that would be like 100% the wrong direction for what my new record is, where I've written everything, like the lyrics and vocal melodies and the riffs and everything. So... Uh, I don't worry about it too much. I mean, I, I just I worry about making my album as good as I can. And um, obviously, I, I think it fits with Frontiers because I think they're, they uh, obviously focus a little bit on that classic rock sound, right? I mean, that, uh, so my, my, my album fits with them, but I, it's, it's not necessarily a calculated uh, thing to... Uh, sound right for frontiers or anything yeah 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 or avoid going in a certain direction because they might not like it what about the animated video that you did um does that is that something that you have you know that that's down to you or is that someone comes to you with a suggestion hooks you up with an animator or is it or is it completely taken care of by the um by the label how, how does that eventuate mm. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that would definitely be a benefit of uh, working with Frontiers because I've seen some of their artists recently putting out those animated videos. I thought, those are cool, man. And when we talked about promo for this album, um, they suggested it, and I thought, yeah, okay, let's do it. And uh, thought Finish Line would be a good song for that, a little darker. Um, so I gave Wayne Joyner, the artist, a very loose idea of a storyline, and he basically took it all on and did a great job. So uh, that's definitely something where you have the benefit of the label having a relationship with an artist, and so I'll just kind of laid out for you. you know, like, yeah. here, here, you guys talk about what you want it to be like. Okay, cool. Uh, so for me, it's great fun. I've never had an animated video before. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, so for me, it's just really neat and fun. You know, it makes me feel like I'm a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, 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 it kind of showcases both of your talents forever, doesn't it? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. If, you, if I was the animator, I'd be just like thrilled. You know what I mean? That's going to be there forever. Whenever anyone searches on YouTube, it's going to be, you know, my work and your work. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Last thing, let's, if we can just be ACDC fans for a minute and geek out. Um, uh, cause you said that you wanted to be a guitarist after listening to Angus Young. What, what do you, what do you make of ACDC's comeback and the new record and, and all that sort of stuff? What, 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 what uh, are you most keen about and happy about of, uh, the return of ACDC? <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm one of the world's worst listeners. I, I rarely listen to anything because I work on music so much, but I did click on one or two of the new tracks and um, it sounded great. So I think it's awesome for uh, to see... Uh, those guys out there still doing what they do and and doing it well. Angus is just a you know a, a living legend, man. It's amazing uh, what he's able to do. Uh, just not only as a guitar player but as a performer, man. You know, I mean, never seen ten seconds of footage of him taking it easy on stage all these years. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> it is. You know, um, I saw them at Coachella a few years ago, and it was the first show of the tour, they'd been off the road for five years. And Angus had bloody knees, you know, he's like an athlete who, um, who, who, who didn't have that kind yeah. of calluses on his knees because he hadn't been touring. And, he's, and he's, got, he's got blood on his knees while he's crawling around. It's just, a, it, he's like an athlete, you know? Um, okay, we'll get a final song. Yeah. I'll get a question, and I'll get a, a question as well in there. Uh, Iron Maiden nominated for uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, just in the you know as we're recording this very recently, um, White Snake are similar vintage, um, you know a lot of the same attributes, commercial success, same kind of level. Um, is that in the future for White Snake? Should it be in the future for White Snake? And with that, if you can give us one last song there, Joel. Oh man, I have no idea. I mean that that's a question for David. I know David's uh, David's in the hall with with Deep Purple now, so. Um, I have no idea. I don't even know how to answer that. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be a tiny part of the band's history. That's all. Um, and I'd say if you're going to go with one more from Running Games, maybe the song How Do You would be cool to play. Give, give them a little bit more of the... Uh, uh, I guess it's as close as I come to a ballad on this. Uh, the last track is, I, I guess, Running Games is fairly close as well. But How Do You is maybe as mellow as it gets.
Welcome back, and uh, we had some technical problems, which always happen. I'm going to stick my hand up and say all the problems are at my end. Uh, welcome, uh, belatedly, Jeff Pilson. How are you, Jeff? Hello there. Better late than never. <laughs> Better late than never. Only like five minutes late. We lost like five minutes. So yeah, um, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff, I've been, um, and probably my problem was I was doing too much research, playing too many previous interviews, and um, and and I've actually um, the the background there is familiar to me now because I've seen a few videos. And mate, you seem to actually be have uh, uh, been energized by this period. You know what I mean? You seem to be someone who's actually kind of made the most of the time. Well, I've 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 definitely tried, and you know, as I always say, I'm very lucky. I've got this wonderful studio, and um, and I've got my family. So I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm in good hands. I'm a lot luckier than a lot of people. So. I've just I've just tried to look on the positive side and make the most of it and try and come up with some good music, which is what I do. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, hoping it's good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, the, the second album from the End Machine Fates too. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know, at the start of those interviews, everyone always goes, oh, I love your new record. But the thing that really stuck out to me was that, like, it, it, to me, and I, I hope this isn't a bad thing, it, it sounded like Doc, and it reminded me of Doc, and it, it brought back sure. a lot of involuntary memories not just not using my brain but actually just just some subconscious things is that a, is that a good reaction is that the one you're looking for or yeah i mean yeah I, I i think so i mean put it this way we were not afraid uh this time around if things did sound docany we didn't make an effort to change it we just said you know what this is who we are cool let's just do it um so if it sounds docany yeah that's fine you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's kind of, there, there seems to be a desire for that in the market. And, you know, we, that's what we do. So why not? Was there a period where maybe you weren't so into that idea? I mean, where, yeah, where you wanted to leave sure. it behind? And what changed? Well, I, I wouldn't say leave it behind, but, you know, you're always searching for something new. And, um, you know, we have a chemistry in this band that we could focus on some, some other aspects. But what we did this time is we really wanted to concentrate on the songs um, and in doing so, really paying attention to the songs, the choruses, the, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, I think kind of focused us more in a Dawkins-like direction and we welcomed it as it happened and, you know, we just, like I say, we embraced it this time. 
Yeah, I one of the interviews I was watching, which uh, you know, altered the sound settings on my computer and caused this interview to be delayed, was um, was with uh, Let the Music Play, the documentary maker, and and, and she yes. was talking about. Well, you were talking. She cut out her own questions um, about the binary world we live in now and how you're either left or right and you've got nothing in common. And that, and that may, I gathered not hearing her questions, that that may have informed this record in some way. Um, is that true? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, we were, um, you know, obviously, especially in the U.S., you know, what's gone on over the last several months politically makes you, you know, makes you really stand up and take notice. So, and, and you know, something that, that we firmly believe is that, People need to talk, you know, and mm. I mean, I, I firmly believe that one of the biggest problems in the world right now is misinformation mm. and um, just all the stuff that's out there that just isn't true. Um, but but we need to talk. And the only way to get over people, you know, being in their little camps and just only hearing their own information is to talk. And so, yeah, we'd love we'd love to bridge the divide. And if you know, I mean, obviously, we're a rock band. We're not going to change the world. But, you know, we can we can do our part. And, and so hopefully that's a positive message that people will take to heart. Um, and it sounded from that interview that like it was even an issue within the group, the band group, that you, you've got multiple have, points of view within the band and you had to work through that. Yeah, and that's and I think that's great. I think that's healthy, and we did. We found a great, and we we can work together, and I think that's wonderful. Well, I mean, it's, sorry. I mean, I think ultimately we all have the same goals in mind. You know, we all want a safe, secure world and a prosperous world. Um, but uh, but yeah, we have differences, and I think working them out and talking them out and and finding common ground is a great thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, would I be? It, would I be saying that you and George have different views on what is now called politics, but is really just social issues and how to solve them, or is it other guys in the band? Well, George and I are actually fairly uh, in sync thought-wise, but yeah, it's other guys, and and that's great. Like I say, I I, I welcome that, and I I think people. The the main thing is that we talk. The main thing is that we understand and respect what people say. I mean, to just throw out what the other side says, I think, is really, really a, a bad mistake. And I think we've done way too much of that. Before we have our first song, Jeff, can you give the listeners and viewers some advice on how to um, how to interact with people? I think we've all been in the situation who who do have the different views, and you want to you want to preserve your friendship. Are there no-go areas or are there, and, and is this addressed on the album or are there, you know, ha, ha, what, do you have little rules, you know, when, you, when you've got a friend who disagrees with you on, on one of these issues? No, I, not really. I, I mean, you know, there, I, I think you, you always have to judge the situation at the moment, you know. I don't think there's any one solution for everything. Some people, some people don't want to talk reasonably. Some people just want to reinforce their own beliefs. And when, when that's the case, or even if I'm doing that, there's no sense talking. Um, but if you have a, if you have a point of view that's reasonable, why can't you talk about it? That's my mm -hmm. feeling. Um, and why is it so polar? Like I say, I think what's really made it bad is that people have two distinct sources of what they believe is the truth. And that's, that's a problem. That's a serious, serious problem. And if we don't figure that out or something, I mean, we're going to be in more trouble. And I think it starts with talking. 
So, you know, talk when you can. Talk when people want to talk, when they're reasonable, when they have a desire to see what you think or when you have a desire to hear what they think. Um, I think it's important to talk. So Nick, well, I was going to ask you if there's a song um, that addresses this in particular, but I was also going to ask you to introduce a song. So I'll do both of those things at once. Um, it, it, uh, our fir- first song of the interview and, and maybe one that um, is connected to what we just discussed. Sure. Well, I mean, the the song that probably most deals with that is a song called Dark Divide that's on, on the record. Um, and it, it really, it's just, a, it's a calling out for finding, you know, for reaching across the divide is what it is. It's just like, hey, can we at least try, <laughs> you know? I mean, does it have to stay so polarized? I mean, I mean, how nonsensical to live in your own universe where all you hear is your own point of view and that's all you do, you know? That's just crazy to me. So, so um, Dark Divide is just our little way of saying, hey, let's at least talk.
This is Jeff Pilsen of Foreigner, Dokken, Dio, you name it, I was in it. Anyways, you're listening to my friend Steve Mascord on White Line Fever. Welcome back. Our guest is Luke Morley from Thunder, new album, uh, All the Right Noises. And don't forget to support us on Patreon, Patreon forward slash White Line Fever. Uh, Luke, I, I did want to keep the kind of um, lyrical uh, uh, cross-examination to the first segment. However, yeah. I, didn't get, I didn't get to it all. Um, and Smoking Gun is another song on the new, um, the new record, um, which it seems to be, it seems to be a bit Trump sort of uh, inspired. But then again, um, my wife was listening to it earlier, and she said, "Well, he didn't vote for Trump. He lived in England." And so I'm like, so I'm really interested in, 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 you know, where that came from, and 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 uh, what, you know. I- well, smoking guns really—it's really about the rise of, of populism across the world. Okay. Um, so you know, you have these kind of um, leaders, sort of in the Trump style, or Bolsonaro in Brazil, um, and there's some dangerous people around the world. Um, there's um, there's also as a as a British guy called Nigel Farage as well, who who is the kind of uh, he's he was a uh, European MP for for. The, um, uh, for oh god, I can't even remember the place. It changes party's name so many times, but they're now the uh, uh, I can't even remember. It changes week to week. But this guy, all he does is just stirs up every time, stirs up all the right wing, all the sort of jingoism, all that stuff. He's a very dangerous man. Um, and uh, I suppose what the song is saying is um, it's that old Edmund Burke quote about you know. Um, the, the way to, you know, I can't remember it exactly verbatim, but it's something like um, the way to ensure an evil man is successful is for a good man to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what the song's saying is that, you know, if we stand back and let these people, you know, take assume positions of power without sort of objecting and, and demonstrating and, and being angry about it, then it's, we're going to end up in a very dangerous place. And, um, and if we don't do anything, then we're partially guilty. So mm. that's the, you know, the, um, an analogy about leaving the fingerprints on the smoking gun. Our fingerprints are on it too if we let these guys get in, you know. And uh, yeah, that's it, really. 
Yeah, no, that's and, and yeah, very eloquently put. And as I said, definitely the most sort of topical um, Thunder album ever, I would say. And that's without you even being able to access the rich vein of COVID, you still managed to come up with the most topical album ever. But I'll, I'll kind of move a little bit off specifics and more into general generalizations, but stay on lyrics, which, yep. which is um, you know um, the you better uh, don't forget to live before you die. This seems to be a kind of recurring theme in since the comeback um, it, it, lyrically. Um, uh, you know, um, money's not the currency; it's time. Is you know one of my favourite lyrics ever. Now, um, um, it, you know, is this just the fact that we're all thinking about death a lot more, or is it, or was there a kind of flashpoint? I know that Ben had a, a health scare. Um, um, you know, and, I mean, we all think about it as much as we used to think about chasing girls really so so is it is it you know is it something that's that's all that you always find yourself having a new perspective on and and that you feel like you have to write something down i guess i mean i, I this song's actually i'll I tell you how the song came about i, I was in a bar strangely and um, <laughs> and uh, this young lad working behind the bar and i got in the large round i was with a few friends and he, he served them very well he's very efficient he was great you know i said oh thanks mate you know can i buy you a drink and one no, i don't drink this lad, he's about 21, 22, maybe. She don't drink. I said, why is that? He said, oh, I, I had a drink once and I, I completely got out of control. So I said, well, isn't that the point? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he said, oh, no, you know, you know I, might, so I might smoke a spliff once a year, but oh, you know, I've, got, I've got to be with close friends. And I just thought, you know, God, when I was that age, I, I'm, everything, you know, just bring it on. Let's try it. You know? <laughs> and, and I found this is an interesting thing. In, in, I mean, I don't have kids myself, but lots of my friends have kids in their sort of twenties and thirties, some, some, some of the time. And you talk to them, and um, they, they're much more kind of aware of, uh, you know, health and stuff like that, and um, you know, how they look at it. You know, it kind of relates a little bit to young men. This, it's the same similar kind of thing, but. Um, and I just kind of wanted to say to this young lad, you know, look, say, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, when you're my age, you'll think, why the hell didn't I do that? You know, so don't, I suppose the song is saying, you know, don't what, you know, it's great to be serious about yourself and ambitious and work orientated and all of those things, but don't forget to let your hair down sometimes. You know? Yeah. 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 Because I saw an interview with Danny, which must've been one of the first ones that was done for this album. Uh, it was only two days ago or something. And he said, oh, it was a French guy. And, and the guy said, oh, you know, you, you want to be different on every record. And, um, uh, and he said, yeah, we've actually, um, uh, when we got the band back together, we decided that there was a whole bunch of things we hadn't done and that we were determined to do them. And it sounds like an actual bucket list. <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean, is there such a thing? <laughs> like, have you, did you actually write down things that you, the band hadn't done in the past, maybe lyrically or musically, and, and then decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to do them all now, we're going to tick them off, you know? Uh, not particularly, uh, although I suppose, I, I think subconsciously that's going on in my head, I guess, because as, as the guy that writes the tunes, you know, there's some of that going on. So I'm always trying to kind of think about how can I kind of address this and do it in a way we haven't done it before. Because, I mean, it's difficult, you know, you know 30 years, 13 albums. You know, I mean, there are some bands who just basically make the same albums every year and change the title a little bit, you know, or yeah. change the words. And, and none of us in Thunder want that, really. Now, Danny and myself, I think, both are kind of quite 
driven in the sense that we you know, you've got to keep moving forward. And I think as as you kind of you know when you've got more years behind you than you have in front, that becomes even more acute. Mm. So you know the urge to move forward and not to look back. I think you know there's a time for looking back. I mean when you're retired and you're sitting out in your back garden, whatever, then think about the past, indulge in, indulge in it, you know, just great. And I have no problem with people, you know, the certain vintage doing that because I think if you've lived a long life, you've got every right to look back about it and bore other people to death with it. Like, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's, I, I don't feel we're there yet. I mean, maybe one day we will be, if we're fortunate enough to live that long, then great. But all the time we're here, you know, it's important, it's important I think, to kind of keep moving forward and looking ahead. I will ask for another song, but while you think about what you can introduce, and people will hear this down further down the track, so you could probably pick something else off the album that isn't out yet. But is does rock become kind of um, uh, as it shrinks from the mainstream? And I know there's still a great economy around it in this in, in this country with planet rock and all that. Does it feel more restrictive as an art form because everyone else thinks of it that way? So you know, do you start to write a song and you go, well, I have to do you know this is the way a rock song's done and but, but suddenly that's not the way everything's done. And, and, and do you actually, as a musician, start to feel a bit restricted by the art form because you be, become aware that other people are looking at other art forms and they see it as a restrictive art form? Well, uh, Christ, that's quite a complicated philosophical question. <laughs> I just think that, you know, you can... I think you could think like that, but I think if you're, if you're creative in any way, you, you, it's important to hang on to the fundamental things you know why did you start doing it in the first place what do you like about doing it you know why is it important to you to say these things or do these things and I think you just got to go with that and go with your guts it's you know the creative process uh, it's partly intellectual but it's partly physical and organic and you just got to kind of do it you got to go and not worry too much you know, I think there's many a, 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 an artist been been messed up by worrying too much about what other people think. Um, and you know, there's going to be some people that have got points of view about every, about everything that you do, and, and and reasons why they shouldn't like you, and reasons why what you're doing is dated or old hat, or whatever. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I can't control that. I just got to call it as I see it and make music as I feel it and, and, and just hope enough people like it to keep me in a living. And that's all I can do, you know? Yeah. If, yeah. if in that process we happen to make some, some great music then then brilliant. Uh, you know, if not, you know, we tried hard, you know, I mean, who cares? You know, it's what it is. I don't worry about that. I worry, much more about, What's sorry, I worry much more about things that, that, you know, are Manchester city going to make it to the end of the season as Premier League champions. This is important stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, what, what song can we have? Uh, okay, why don't we go with um, let's go with uh, She's a Millionaire. There you go. Rough boys in a pants Riding edge 
Across the river by mistake She ran back to the king's road Where she knows she feels safe She can't be too blonde And she can't be too thin Got a pride in the country That she's never even seen She's a millionaire With a southwest one dress Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're gonna rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on. 